0: be seated let your neighbor know you can feel the fuego in here amen it may be muy frio outside but it's a muy caliente in here amen the fuego of the holy spirit it's always good for me to remind us we are Chicagoans how many of you are Chicagoan so when the weather's changed, don't let that change your church attendance. It's great to see the house full today, even with so many sick. We're so glad that we're starting the new year in the house of God. But always be careful. Obviously, we have a live feed. Hello, live feed people. Everybody go, hi. hi. We love you if you're sick or couldn't make it. Always be safe. And, of course, if you're sick, don't spread that virus. But we are Chicagoans. We can take it. Amen. We, we go out in uh, sandals when it's about 45 degrees because we feel it's warm. Chanclas, right? All right, well, starting the new year... After the last couple of weeks, just catching everybody up with the the things that we're doing, progressing in the church, going over goals. Now, what I want to do, kind of like a mini series, is just tap on things that have been in my heart from 2019 that I wasn't able to get into because of the Matthew series, and then now just getting it all out, and then also listening to the Lord for things that may be in the news, things that may be going on in the church. Just you know, coming up that Sunday and be like, let's talk about this, or you know, maybe. Uh, I heard about your business. I'm going to come talk about your business. It gets all quiet when I talk about that. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do you like that. I'll just talk about it but not talk about you. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. Uh, pastors, you know we're something else. But let me just tell you this. Sometimes people come up to me and go, did you hear about that? Is that why you said that in your sermon? 99.99% of the time, that's not me. That's the Holy Ghost talking to you. I didn't hear about your mess. God heard about your mess, and now I'm talking about it up here. Now my hands are clean. That's why I don't even really do much of the counseling anymore. I mean, if it escalates to that stage, I'll get involved. But most of the time, I don't know, like, what you did this week with your 101 or what you did in counseling, or, you know, anything like that. So don't put it on me. Put it on the Holy Ghost. Amen? So today, what I want to talk about is the sermon entitled Living Lawful. In lawless times. And before we go to the passage, let's just stay on this for a moment because I don't know about you, but I have just been struck, just awestruck about how crazy our world has become. And it's only getting worse. I was uh, picking up someone the other day with Lyft, and I uh, brought, uh, took him from the, the marijuana dispensary back home. And he said, uh, you know, now that marijuana is legal in Chicago, they're selling out. They, they, you know, they can't keep any around, so I couldn't get any this time. So I began to talk to him, and I started thinking to myself, I went to jail for marijuana. I got arrested most of the times for selling weed. Now it's legal. What is going on in our world? And I began to also think about what my friends and I used to call pornography. You know, what we would go looking for in our parents' houses. Thank God my parents didn't have it, but my friends would find it in their parents or, or, you know, from other friends. And we would go looking for that. That's on TV shows now. TV shows have, you know, this homosexual lifestyle and then nudity. Things that you used to have to go to a pornography magazine to see something like that. And then also, you know, you think about abortion, and and just it used to be even among the sinners, it used to be something that they knew they were wrong to do, but they just, you know, they felt like they had to do it. Now, just this last week, as an actress was receiving a Golden Globe, she said, I'm here because of my abortion, and she worshiped Planned Parenthood and abortion as if it was her God. And people applauded, and you can even watch the video, and some women are coming to tears. Have you felt like me lately that you're living in a lawless time? I mean, even for those of you who are new to Christianity and you start reading the Bible, don't you feel like you're the odd man out? that you're just you know, just sticking out like a sore thumb, you still believe in marriage. You still believe in sexuality between one man and one woman. You still believe drugs are only meant for medicinal purposes, not to take a trip on the magic ship, okay? Uh, you, you still believe that children are to be a blessing. You're not supposed to abort it. And just one last thing about that, my wife and I were watching a sitcom yesterday, you know, and the woman was unexpectedly pregnant, and she said, you know, what am I going to do? You know, I'm not ready to be a mom. And I had to literally look at her and go, well, at least she didn't say she was going to murder it. You know, that's probably just coming up in an episode or two in one of these sitcoms. Now I'm getting an abortion. We're going to support this person getting an abortion. And there's another uh, side trail here. Have you ever noticed that when these celebrities play on these game shows for their charities, there's never one for a pro-life organization? It's always, I'm playing for the LGBTQ after-school uh, curriculum so that LGBT students can feel more comfortable with themselves. I'm, I'm playing for Planned Parented. I mean, have you ever heard anybody go up there and say, I'm playing for my church so that they can continue to reach out to the abortion clinics. I'm, praying for my youth, I'm playing for my youth group. No, the world has basically drawn the line and said, we won. We're out the closet, you losers go back in the closet. If you think about it, from the 60s onward, the hippies won. Now, most of us were not alive when the hippies were here, but they won. Think about it they won. They wanted drugs, drugs are legal. They wanted sex without repercussions, now they have abortion, and they have just no marriage certificate meaning to them, you know, just live however you want, polyandry, switch partners. I've already had two people that I've picked up in my rides. That, that are sharing their partners. I mean, it's becoming common. Uh, the, the 60s, they wanted drugs. They have it now. They wanted free sex. They have it now. They wanted to be able to kill their children. They have it now. They wanted prayer and the Bible out of school, that religious stuff that they were brought up with in the 40s and 50s. They have it now. They wanted perversion in the media. I was studying about the the first time Marilyn Monroe posed nude in the 60s, and, and Hugh Hefner had put her in Playboy. He actually had to go to court for that. And then the first nude movie that came out, I mean, you just think about how quickly things have changed In the last, what, 55, 60 years, if you would have fallen asleep like like possibly Captain America, and I'm surprised they didn't play off of this, but if you would have been like Captain America from the 40s and the 50s, and then you woke up into the year 2000, you would think the world was now run by aliens. You would be like, what in the world has happened here? And it's not just because culture makes things right, it's because the Bible was the basis of a lot of our culture. And even though we give Roman Catholics a hard time here because we love them and how they pray to saints and angels or how they view the Pope, etc., we have to agree with the, the Roman Catholics that we both have the same Bible and standard of Christian ethics. And so back then, the majority of people were Protestant or Catholic going to church And God we trust was even added to our money, and those kinds of changes were happening. Ten commandments were put on, you know, courtroom houses. Prayer was allowed at school. Prayer was allowed at your speech, at your graduation. Prayer was allowed in the football, locker room. And now, look at all of these years later, the hippies have won. They have come out the closet. They have now pushed us into the closet. And let's just ask ourselves a question. Even though we don't base our morals on pragmatics, let's just ask our question pragmatically are we better as a culture in 2020 than we were in 1955 I mean it's just laughable when you think about it and then sometimes people miss my point and they go well at that same time Joe there was you know segregation and all of those things yeah who got that fixed the Christians reverend Reverend, not the atheist, Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. raised up the church to do what the church ought to have done many, many years before. It was Christians, not atheists, leading the marches. I have friends, parents who walked in the marches. I live down south, my friends, where in, in the early 90s and all that. We're just a few years before that. They were still dealing with the problems of segregation. And their parents, my pastor's parents, walked in those marches in Montgomery, Alabama, in, in uh, Atlanta, and these places. And it's redonkulous when you talk to these people. And you ask them, does the generation now represent Martin Luther King's generation? I mean, just go back and listen to our God in Politics talk with uh, Thomas Gross, one of the African-Americans in our church who thought he was woke, was going to teach Thomas Gross, an African-American who was brought up during the time of the Jim Crow era, and his parents walked in those marches, and he himself had to go through some things being served out of the side of buildings in New Orleans. And this one woke young African-American tried to teach him about... The, the the struggle and this man said you have no idea about the struggle I was there for it my parents were there for it. I lived through it and we didn't go through the struggle so you could hang your pants down sell weed on the corner and listen to ga- the gang members and thugs from the radio my father's generation he talks about my father's generation the people who walked in those marches were men married to their wives were men that stayed at home were working jobs loved their children and guess what they went to church two three four times a week not saying everything a christian's ever done is perfect but man was it better back then I mean, what would you want to have? Look at all communities. What would you rather have? The African-American community of 2020 or 1955? What would you rather have? The white community of, of 2020 or 1955? What would you rather have? The Latino community of 2020 or 1955? I mean, all of our communities were better. All of our communities were stronger going to church, honoring their neighbor, praying before their meals, respecting authority, and when there was problems, they rose up and did something about it. Well, now it's time in our generation to do something about it. For, for the first time, everybody, you've got to get this because you might just be thinking, well, pastor, it's always been bad, and every generation doesn't understand the, the, you know, the previous generation or, or the one that comes after them. You know, every generation seems like it's getting worse, in other words. No, 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 you have to understand this. For the very first time in this culture, not talking about other countries. We're just going to talk about this culture. For the very first time in this culture, your world view as a Christian is not acceptable. Let that sink in. Everybody get that. It is not acceptable. You bring up God creating the earth and the moon and the stars and the universe in your science class, you will be told to shut up and stop talking about that. We don't talk about that here for the first time. You want to talk in your, uh, your sexual class, your biology class, you want to say, I believe in reproduction setting the standard for how we should have sexuality, they'll tell you, shut up, don't talk like that. If you in that same biology class say, I actually believe that bodies are given according to their DNA, and that's how you're supposed to be the rest of your life, you'll be told, shut up, stop talking like that. For the first time, for the very first time, I'm not saying that we should feel sorry for ourselves. I'm going to talk about some things in just a moment of what we should do. But we've got to be very honest with ourselves and get woke what they think they are. We need to get really woke and get get true to the situation. We are now an oppressed people. Christians are an oppressed people. Over time, they are going to continue, and when I say that they, I mean anyone who does not like a Christian worldview. They are going to try to get you out of your place of influence so that they can have someone who thinks like them in that place of influence. So if you're a teacher and you don't believe in LGBTQ and all of that stuff, they want to get you out and they want to get someone in that does. If you're a government worker, from a police officer to a military person to someone working at the DNV, if you don't agree with those kinds of things, they want you out and they want someone else in. They want to marginalize you and push you so back into that closet that it's going to be hard for you to buy, sell, work, make a living, and have your children in school. And now what we need to do is get woke up and understand the times we're living in. And let me just say this as well. We're not the first generation. You see, the Christian faith that I follow was birthed in the face of the worst culture of the entire human race, the Roman paganism. We were birthed in adversity. Your faith, everybody look up at me, please. Your faith is meant to thrive in adversity. In the midst of the Roman Empire, everything now that we have shifted towards, which is basically idolatry and paganism, everybody worships somebody and something, whether it's themselves, their money, their job, their sexuality, we are in that time now. Where our leaders are perverse, where our government can't get things together, where money and greed and power control a lot of the businesses and those in authority, we are in a time where the social chaos is normal. That's what Rome was like. They worshiped false gods. They sacrificed their children, or they threw out the children they didn't want. They had infanticide, like we have abortion. They had orgies. and I mean, the Bible literally says orgies in the context of what a thing you're not supposed to do because it was common in their time. They had temple prostitution. Prostitution is legal in Nevada now, in different counties of Nevada. You can go, and I did this, but be careful, gentlemen, but I went and looked at the reviews. People are reviewing the ladies like they're reviewing the hamburgers at McDonald's. I just couldn't get over this, how, how subtle the enemy is changing our worldview. But all of that was in the Roman Empire plus where I think we're going, which is persecution. And if you didn't go along, you would have be killed. And in that place, in that place, somebody say that place, Christianity was birthed, grew, and thrived until it brought the Roman emperor to his knees and he confessed Christ. Come on, give it up for Jesus. He did it. Until the Roman emperor. Bowed his knees to Jesus. And this is where we are very clear in our Christian faith. There were times that afterwards, when Christians were in government, they fought wars. Some of them they shouldn't have fought. I think the Crusades get a bad rap for the most part because the Crusades were a response to the terrorists like ISIS. So study that a little bit further. But I do believe in the atrocities of the Roman Catholic Church. Over time, they started becoming wicked in their conquering and fighting only for pleasure and more power. They started persecuting other belief systems called the Inquisitions, so I don't want to take away from the true horrors of that time, but let us never take away the credit of God transforming the worst culture known to mankind within 300 years. So now the question is, like when you watch stocks, when something goes up and then it comes down, generally you think to yourself, it's going to do what? Go back up. Because things generally move and flows like that. And so now my question is, Lord, how down is it going to go? How farther down is it going to go before we wake up and start pushing it up? See, I hope it doesn't get to open sex on the streets like they do during Mardi Gras. I've seen sex acts on the street. When they allow in, in the city I used to live in, just for a week, they just take the law and, and the box of the law and they go, we're just going to move it out this much. And you see how quickly people fill that in. Just like when, when, when Chicago said, we're going to make weed legal. You see, boom, it goes this much. People go right to the border. Come on. But listen to me. Listen to me. Despite there being perversion and all that, I'm hoping that people have woke up to it and they're going to start changing right now before it gets worse. Before there's more legal prostitution in the country, before we start legalizing heroin and ecstasy and all these other recreational drugs, I'm hoping that there's going to be a wake-up call before we, start, before we see the inner cities literally turn into a third-world country like Sudan and where you just got people with machine guns walking up and down the streets with drug lords running the thing. In certain parts of Mexico, you can research this, just in the last couple of years, they've had to bring the military into entire cities and towns and take over the entire place back because the whole entire police department, the mayor, everybody was corrupt. The military had to show up in there. I don't know if that's going to happen to America before we wake up. You see, we're facing this parallel time, not the first ones to be here, but we've got answers in the word. And if we get sick and tired of being sick and tired, we can make a difference in the name of Jesus. And we can bring the trend, instead of going down into degradation, we can bring it up to glory. But we got to do like Jesus did. Put one hand in the gutter and the other one to glory and bring them together in the name of Jesus for transformation. Jesus didn't hang around sinners to affirm their sin. Jesus hung around sinners to get them out their sin. Jesus never said to the prostitute, keep on tricking, baby, because I'll keep forgiving. He said, go and sin no more. We don't want to see the ratchet. We want to see the righteous. Can I get an amen from somebody here today? Hallelujah. We don't want any more ratchetness. We want to see the righteous. Man, and you can look this up. You can look this up, lesbian professor converts to Christianity. Listen to the testimonies of what's happening in the culture. They're not putting them on the Jimmy Kimmel show. You're not seeing Ellen uh, interview these people, but there are powerful testimonies happening around the world right now. People in the science industries, people in the education, Kanye West in the entertainment. There are people getting woke to what's going on people who have already seen the world for all that it has to offer and and now they get permission to do everything that used to be illegal for us and they're now running out there figuring it out. Man, there was a reason why this stuff was forbidden before. Now that I can smoke weed as much as I want, now I understand maybe why I shouldn't. Now that I can get on an app and get hooked up with all the partners that I want, have as much sex that I want, I'm now realizing why I shouldn't do that. I think sometimes it takes you stuffing your face at the buffet and getting yourself sick to realize you shouldn't have did that. And I'm just hoping that our culture is getting woke up to what sin and gluttony of evil feels like and that they'll turn. But we've got to set the example. We've got to show them that we have been changed, that we were just like them in our sinful state. We understand the temporary pleasures they're going after and the reason why they do what they do, but God has changed our lives. Are you ready to live lawful in lawless times? Can I hear an amen? amen? Amen. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Let's go. This has been on my heart almost all of 2019, so it feels so good to get it out today. Here's Peter talking at the end of his second letter, and I would encourage you to read the whole chapter. Chapter 3 breaks down what it's going to be like in the end times. There's going to be people living just like they're living now, being wicked. And then when we tell them about God's judgment, they're going to mock us and go, No, nah, you all said that before, but it's not going to happen. We might as well keep doing what we're going to do. And the Bible says they forget that at one time Noah's generation used to think like that. Noah's generation used to think, no, there's not going to be a worldwide flood. How could that be? And you're the only ones that are going to get saved? Man, that's so prideful and self-righteous of you. Come on, Noah. Get down from off there and get back to being with us. But the Bible says as they mocked and ridiculed, it was true God only spared Noah and his family. And God is teaching us through this epistle what it's going to be like in the end times. And then right at the last Verses of that chapter of the the end of the epistle, look at what Peter says. He says, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned. Somebody say, I've been warned. Amen. Amen. Be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Be forewarned that lawlessness will seem acceptable to you guys and it will want to draw you in and you will leave your secure position. It says, rather, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Somebody say amen. 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 Thank you. Look at the scripture. Clearly it is teaching us what it's going to be like in the end times. They were tasting a little bit of it, and we're tasting a lot of bit of it. Because like never before are we seeing a falling away. Now watch this, because everybody says, well, there's always been evil during the time of Wesley. There's been evil in the 1800s, 1700s, different Christian people like Moody or whatever. But no, listen to what this passage says is a direct connection to how you know it's getting towards the end, is that people from their secure position will be tempted to go to lawlessness. We have never seen in human history what's going on in America and Europe and other parts of the world, nations and people groups who were predominantly Christian, secure in their belief in God, fall away to something else. Remember, during the time of the early church, starting in Rome, they were already pagan. So in a sense, there wasn't a loss, there was only a gain. The day after Pentecost, there's about 3,000 Christians. There's whatever amount of uh, Romans, whatever 10, 20 million Romans. So now as they go forward, it's always growth. Adding on to that, the Bible says a few more thousand get saved, a few more thousand, and it just keeps growing. Did they ever see in their lifetime a majority of those Christians deny the faith and become lawless? No. You follow church history? Generally, what's going on in Christianity? It's growing. Goes to Africa, grows. Goes to Latin America, grows, goes to East, East Asia, grows, but what are we now seeing for the very first time? The falling away, where now we're seeing the chart go low, to where in America, depending on who you listen to, what statistician you're getting your stats from, we are somewhere between 4 and 10% Christian now. Now still, don't get me wrong, about 70% will say they are Christian by religion, but when these people, you can get George Barna's book, Think Like a Christian, or Think Like Jesus rather, you can get these uh, uh, another book called The Evangelical Recession, other books like that. Now listen, they'll check off, I am a Christian when it comes to religion, but then they'll start asking them questions, a question that any Christian should believe, like? Do you believe Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life? Out of those people, only about 4 to 5 6% say, I believe that. So they checked off, I'm a Christian, but they are not Christ-centered. Now, can you be a Christian and not be Christ-centered? Can you be a Christian and say there's other ways to heaven? No, that, that's never been a definition of Christianity. If that was the definition of Christianity, then why were the Christians dying in Rome? When we were getting martyred for 300 years, most of you uh, would do well to look at my book, Disciples of the First Disciples, online to get a little brief bird's-eye view of, of church history. In that time that we were, we were striving for growth and, and seeing God change the culture, eventually bringing Rome to its knees, we were dying by the thousands and the thousands, persecution being fed to lions. And at the last persecution before the emperor converted to Christianity was one of the worst. So when we look at the Bible, we don't see Christianity declining. We see it increasing. But we see in the end times, Christianity is going to start to decrease, become lawless. And so it's not just me being alarmed and and being conspiratorial, warning you like this. No, I'm taking the warning Peter wrote 2,000 years ago going, we're seeing this now. We're seeing a great falling away, and sometimes it's just so subtle. Take, for example, a pastor who said, I was always conservative in my beliefs about sexuality, but then my son came out to me as gay. I began to listen to his story, realize how much he loved Jesus. Nothing changed from the day he came out to the day he was a Christian, all of these things have just been a part of his journey. And so now as a pastor, I'm changing my position on sexuality. You can read about many, many pastors who have done that. Other pastors who are coming out for recreational marijuana, all of these things now being supported by people in the ministry. There are now feminist pastors standing in front of the Planned Parenthood, blessing it, saying Planned Parenthood is a blessing to women. As a matter of fact, one lesbian pastor took the promise ring. She said, all of you children who were brought up, like mostly women, who would get these promise rings, not to have sex until you're married, send them in. I'm going to do an art project, and I'll display it at this feminist conference. They sent in their promise rings as a sign of rebellion. We can have sex with whoever we want and still love God. She took the promise ring and made it into a statue of a woman's private part. You can look it up online. A pastor, not a Satanist, not a witch, But a pastor did that. This is the world we're living, falling away. But look what the Bible tells us you've been warned. Guard yourself that you're not carried away by the error of lawlessness and fall from your secure position. How can that happen? Well, it's so simple because, as I was telling the men, if you're going to check out those reviews, you better guard your heart because the moment I checked out those reviews, because I wanted to see if these brothels were for real, if this was really a legitimate business, and they were, these legal prostitution places in Nevada. What's the temptation that now comes to me as a man? Well, It don't hurt nobody. These women get tested, gives them money. What's wrong with that? How many know that's, that's a temptation? Marijuana, it doesn't hurt anybody. You know, you're just sitting by yourself smoking some weed with your friends. You know, an abortion, it's not really a person. You know, it's just a clump of cells and we catch it early enough. You know, it's just like cutting off a fingernail, something that you can live without. It's not your body, not your choice. And so when we start to listen to the temptation of, this en- of the enemy in this generation, we can be tempted too. Because people who fall from their secure positions used to be secure just like you. So if I were to have that pastor up here right now and go, Pastor, why do you affirm the LGBTQ? He might start crying. I mean, like, would you be ready for that? Like if he started crying, going, I just, I love them, and Jesus loves them, and I feel like we're we're part of what makes them want to commit suicide. We just need to accept all of God's children. How dare you judge them? Let's love them. What do you do in the face of those appeals? See, a lot of people are falling for it. I had put up a video not too long ago of an African-American church uh, in Atlanta. And by the way, I still love what the black church gives to Christianity. I love the hand clapping, the jumping, the shouting. I've cut my teeth on that. I just appreciate it. Some of my friends are great preachers running, running their churches like that in that traditional way. But I put up a church that was run by a gay bishop who's married to his partner. And if you would have just watched the service, because it was just a test, just watch the service and tell me, can you notice anything different here? You wouldn't have noticed one thing. You see, because we're coming to the time now where the devil can imitate what we have here to a certain point. And if you're not wise to what church really is, if you're not wise to what Christianity really is, you can fall for another uh, another version because that version makes you feel good. Whereas I might be the one that grieves your heart today because I talk about your sin, or I might be the one that makes you feel awkward because you have friends that are doing these things and you're trying to choose between God and these friends and all this. And you see, you might want to just slip right in to this lawless lifestyle because now it feels better, it's easier. And let's just be honest, don't we all want to have an easier road? I mean, just in the flesh, let's just be honest. I mean, if I said to you right now, I could give you one pill that would let you eat whatever you want to eat, but you would still lose weight. How many would take that pill? I mean, I mean, just pop that pill. You can eat whatever you want and still lose weight. I mean, we want the easy road. If I said to you, every week I'm going to give you $10,000, what you do with it's up to you. But every week I'm giving you back that $10,000. How many know our budgets would just go right out the window? We would say, well, now I'm getting $10,000 every week. It's guaranteed. Who cares about a budget? I'm just going to spend money however I want now. And is it not the same kind of thinking with sin? I'm going to take away these sins and show you in the Bible another way of looking at it. Pastor Joe was wrong. Billy Graham was wrong. These other pastors was wrong. You, You know, Tony Evans was wrong. Moody Radio was wrong. All these people were wrong. I'm going to give you another way, and you're going to feel better about yourself. You're going to feel better about yourself. You're going to love yourself more. Boy, there's Oprah Winfrey's message right there, isn't it? And it's tempting. People falling from their secure position. But what does the Bible say instead to do? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not to grow in legalism, like just a bunch of things we're not supposed to do or we go to hell. No, we grow in the grace of Jesus. It's the grace of Jesus that convinced me not to smoke weed. It's not because I was just so afraid I was going to go to hell. I realized why I was smoking weed. I was self-medicating, and I was talking to this young man. I said, why do you really need to do that? The sober mind is the greatest gift God has ever given you. And I said, you know, I've watched my grandmother lose her mind, you know, and amnesia and those kinds of things, Alzheimer's, and it's the worst thing to do is to lose your mind. Why mess with drugs when it tampers with your mind? You know, my wife, when she was on pain pills because of the accident we were in when a person hit us and her ankle was broken, she could tell when the dosage began to affect her mentally. It's something how powerful those drugs are and how they make life durable when you're in a lot of pain. But as the pain starts to decrease and you're still taking that much of a a drug, it starts to mess with your mind. She felt the effects of it, and she said, I don't want that. And yet there are people who love that. Why? Because they don't like the sober mind. They don't like themselves. They don't like the thoughts they have about themselves. And they don't know how to change. And so if they grow in the grace of God, they'll see how much God loves them and how beautiful life is and how the sober mind's the greatest gift you've been given. And by the grace of God, they'll reject sin. That's, That's how I rejected sin is I saw that God had something truly better for me. And then the knowledge, we grow in grace and we grow in knowledge. And what that means is we learn more about things. And so we don't just take the bait. Yeah, on the outside, it looks good. Prostitution in Nevada, who gets hurt? But what happens there? What happens there? Can you love that person? Can you build a relationship with that person? No. So every time you go there, you're being intimate. You're giving a part of your intimacy, the closest parts of you. You're giving to that person, and then you're pulling it away. You're giving it, and you're pulling it away. Before long, you're going to be missing parts of yourself. Is it any wonder that people who have multiple sexual partners also deal with identity crises? Is it any wonder that the suicide rate in the porn industry is so high? And if you deal with porn, go to XXX Church. XXXX X, X, X Church. It's a place to help porn people, uh, prostitutes, those in the pornography industry, and people who struggle with those things to get out of it. But is there any coincidence? No, because every time you're giving yourself to somebody intimately and you're pulling it away, you're losing parts of yourself, taking on parts of their baggage because you're supposed to become one with them and sharing the love with a, with a spouse. But instead, you're doing this continually with someone who doesn't care about you, doesn't love you, and your soul gets intermingled like as if you took water and mixed it with pop, and then you try to separate, and I say, separate the pop from the water. You can't do it. Is it any wonder that we're so depressed after having so much sex? Is it any wonder that we're so messed up in our mind after doing all of these drugs? Is it any wonder that women who have abortions don't have better lives? It actually hurts them, despite what that actress said. Many regret it. Many have troubles in their health. As a result of it, it's not as safe as they say. And the Bible says, grow in the grace and knowledge of God. To him be glory, both now and forever. So it's not about us. It's about God and his glory. How does God get glory out of my sexuality? By obeying his, by when I obey his will, he gets glory. Even if other things feel good, it's not about feeling good. It's about giving him glory. And so everything is filtered through the glory of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. That's just the introduction. Are you guys ready? Scroll through it a little bit. Give him a little teaser. I'm telling you, it's just the introduction. Keep going. Keep going. Show him it. There you go. Let's go back to the top. Let's see if I can get through this or if this is going to be a two-part. How many enjoying yourselves today? Amen. Now, are we the first ones? No. The church came from this time. But there's also a unique story in the Bible about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were taken as captives into Babylon. We don't have time to get into the whole story, but I want to give you some of the tips that now you can learn from Daniel. The first thing is, when Daniel and his friends were captured and taken into Babylon, they were willing to not fight, but rather go along with the non-law issues The first thing they did to these captives, these Jewish boys, and when they took them into their captivity, is they changed their names. See, right now on your jobs, they want you to start saying the names of the the transgender person that they prefer and all of these things. And you may be shocked by when I tell you this, but I say go along with it. Now on your personal time with your friends in your personal life, oppose it. But let me tell you why I think you should go along with it. Because you quit, they're gonna put someone else in that job now. See, they got you out, didn't they? Well, let's say you're a teacher, and Bobby is gonna go from a girl to a boy. She was Bobby, let's say she was Barbara, and now she wants to be called Bobby, okay? And they're gonna tell you as a teacher, you better call Barbara Bobby now. Now, if you say, this is against my religious convictions, what are they gonna to say to you? We don't care, you're fired. Now you're not a teacher anymore. See, they love that. I'm going to get to a scripture in just a little bit, but we've got to be shrewd in how we do this. We've got to be careful on what we walk away from because if we all walk away, then there's nobody left in this culture. Do you get that? And I'm not saying we run away. Some of you are social workers. Some of you are police officers. And it would just be so easy for you to stand up that one time. They put you on blast. You get fired, and now it's over. You're not a police officer anymore. You're not a social worker anymore. You're not a teacher anymore. You're not a sergeant in the military anymore. They got you out of that job. You don't work for Apple anymore. Now, I am going to be preaching a word sometime this year about finances and how we need to learn to be independently wealthy, all of us, so that if they take our jobs, we can still survive. But many of us are not there, and we need to be able to be like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and play by their rules as long as in our heart we still know the truth because the first thing these, these people did to them is they changed their names. Daniel's name had the name of God. El is judge, and they now say your name's going to be Belshazzar or Bel-Protects. Uh, I'm going to name you by my God, son. You're mine now. You remember that in the color purple? What's your name? Kutakinti? Kutakinti or what? Toby? What were they trying to call him? Toby? And he kept fighting it. And, that's, and it's good to do that. But we've lost the war, friends. It's over now. Every judge, if they walked out, listen to me. Every Christian judge, if they walked out, every Christian teacher, if they walked out, those who believe like us would only be about 4 or 5%. Nothing would change. We would just all be out of our jobs. I know you're surprised to hear me tell you this, but I'm woke to this. You need to stay on that job and let them call you Belshazzar if they want. And you need to be able to be cool with calling that person now by that name if they want. You've got to understand this. That is not a fight you want to get into right now. Because you are not in Jerusalem anymore. You are in Babylon. And in Babylon, they're wicked. And you pick your fights wisely in Babylon. You don't just rise up and try everything in Babylon because Babylon will crush you. And we now have to be wise in this culture, just like they are in China. They don't run out to the streets with a gospel truck and say, here we are. They're meeting underground. They've got to be wise. And by the way, Christians are rejoicing over that Iranian terrorist being killed in Iraq. Listen to, a, listen to Gloria Copeland's daughter talk about the reports they're getting from the missionaries because when Muslims are in power like that, Christians are one of the groups that suffer the most. But anyways, listen to me. They called them by their pagan names now. You're Belshazzar, Bel protects. Hananiah, which means Yah is gracious. You're now Shadrach, command of Aku, the moon god. Mishael, who is El, you're now Meshach, who is Aku, the moon god as well. And Azariah, Yah is our helper. You're now Abednego, slave of Nebo, the god, Nebo. Isn't that something? They changed their names. So number one, you got to be okay now with going along with this Babylonian system. Otherwise, everything is going to get you out of that system, and you're going to lose and lose your influence. Now, let me say this as a caveat. You want to go against it and start a revolution. I'm with you. I'm just saying don't complain about the cost then. If you have to go be homeless now and sell, you know, and sell your shoes and your clothes on the street and start living out of a tent, don't get mad at me because you wanted to take on Babylon. God actually told the Jews, he said, you're going to be here for 70 years now. Get used to it and I don't know how long we're going to be here, and we still do have freedoms in this country, and we should speak up and say, I don't agree with this. When I get out of my job, if I'm a teacher or whatever, I should be able to say, I don't agree with this, but I will be agreeable while I'm here. Number two, they asked for religious freedom when pressed with minor issues. So Daniel was made to eat their food, and they said, hey, we're Jews. We don't want to eat that food. And then they said, Uh, Daniel and them said, can we just eat the vegetables? But how many know if they would have said, you can't eat that? They would have had to go along with it, even breaking their diet. This would have been more according to slavery, but they wanted to give them a little bit of freedom in their oppression, and they said, okay, you don't have to eat what we eat, then make sure you're just as healthy and eat what you want to eat. And so this is where you start making those compromises, not in your faith. You know what your faith is. Does Everybody get this. If I, I'm just going to talk to you right now. If I bring in a transgender person from Lyft and it says on there, their name is Barbara, and it looks like a dude with makeup on, I'm not going to say, now tell me your God-given name. Tell me the name that your mama gave you. I'm going to say, what's up, Barbara? Why? Because I want Lyft to work for me. I'm going to use Lyft for my benefit Right now, me getting into a fight with this guy over his God-given name and his gender causes me to lose lift. I don't want to do that right now. They win when I lose lift. Are you listening to me? Because when I sit in that car and I tell him my day job is a pastor and I start sharing my faith and what I believe, now I have a chance to influence him. Before, I wouldn't because no one like me would ever pick him up, and no one like you would ever teach, and no one like you would ever be a social worker, and no one like you would be in the military, and no one like you would be a police officer or an entrepreneur if you don't know how to get along here in Babylon. So this is what they did. They made their compromises where they could safely and honorably. Number three, they helped the pagans succeed in their endeavors. Woo, come on, somebody. They help the pagans. Daniel starts interpreting dreams. Daniel starts giving them the blessings of Israel upon these kings. He starts doing things for them so they succeed. We need to help America succeed. We need to help Apple succeed if that's our job. We need to help Google succeed. We need to help Starbucks succeed no matter how much I hate what they stand for. We need to help these businesses succeed while we're there because if they succeed, we succeed, and we have more resources for the kingdom of God. Now, once again, some of you don't want to hear this if you just come here because we got different kinds of people. There's kind of people who you just want to compromise on everything, and this is getting you too excited, and you don't understand my point. And then there's others of you who only want to be radical. You want to start the revolution right now. Viva la revolution. Let's just tell them they're all going to hell and go move on to commune. I'm trying to tell you we've got to walk right down the middle. We've got to be as what Jesus is going to say, as wise as serpents, as harmless as doves. And so if, if I'm working for lift, I'm praying for lift to prosper. If I'm working for the school system, CPS, I'm praying for them to prosper. If I'm working for Comcast, and I know they give a portion of their monies to Planned Parenthood and every LGBT thing, I'm still praying for them to prosper because God is going to use their prosperity to bless me and my family and this church so that we can continue to rise up because there will come a time when there's change, but it won't come when we're in the minority unable to have influence. I think you can look to the civil rights and others when they were able to start as a minority and take over the majority. But if you're asking me as a pastor right now, I don't think we have that momentum. Half of our Christians are backslidden. The others don't even know what they believe. And we're such a small minority, we're divided right now. I don't think we can change anything. So start to be wise, friends. And then lastly, when it came down to them, the line they wouldn't cross, to stop praying or worshiping their God, that's when they said we can't play along anymore. Does everybody get where they drew the line? So if you tell me I can't be a Christian and work here, then of course I can't work here. If you're telling me I can't pray to my God and believe in my God and work here, then I don't want to work here. That, that, that's where the line was drawn. Then I guess I can't be in the military then. But that is not where we are at now. That may come to where we are at, but that's not where we are at now. So the first three we can do. Just go over them again. Look at them, please. The first thing we can do is not sweat the small issues. On your personal time with your family, in your neighborhood, when you are preaching, when you are here, when you are doing discipleship, stand for every jot and tittle you stand for. But when you are in the world, pick your battles. Number two. Make sure that you are telling them what you believe, though. Don't just remain silent and be like, well, I'll just do whatever you want me to do. No, you got to have communication with them. Say, hey, I'll be honest with you. This, you, know, you guys want to put me out here every week in front of uh, uh, you know, Boys Town, and you want me to, to, to affirm this lifestyle. That may not be the best place for me. Bobby likes that more. Maybe put Bobby over there if you're a police officer or something. You know, you know, maybe you could talk to them and say, these are things I prefer, or if you're party, if you're going to work parties and now they're smoking weed, you can go, hey, look, I can go to the work party, but I don't want to be around you guys smoking weed, so can I just come for 15 minutes, you know? Or maybe you have an LGBTQ you know, co-worker, and you're like, listen, man, I love you, but I want to just let you know where I'm at on my belief system. So if we can still be friends, that's cool, but please don't invite me to your wedding. I'm not feeling that. You know, you, you have to be able to speak up when you can. Number three, pray for their success, and number four, don't compromise the foundations of your belief. Let's go to Jesus' words quickly and closely. How many are ready to do this? I said it before, but now I'm going to give you the context. Jesus was telling those disciples, as they're about ready to face probably the worst culture in the world at that time, the Roman Empire, he says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Come on. This is the first time in Christianity that we now are going from being the majority to the minority, now being like the wolves. Uh, being around the wolves like a sheep. Do you guys get that? When they first started out, like I said, there's only a few thousand, and they're just sheep, and they're just huddled around. And there's all of these Romans... But they had to stay true to their faith. Now, we in Christianity, we got to take advantage of that time our ancestors did when we were the majority in our nations. Many of you came from European, Latin American nations. You know, even Africa had Christian roots in different parts of of, of that continent. And now we are realizing what it's like when it fades away. And so now for the first time, you as a Christian, you're walking out here like a sheep. And they're wolves. The HR department is a wolf. They're going to get you. They're waiting for you to mess up. They know that you've invited friends to church. They're waiting for you. Those of you might be in corporate America, they're waiting for you to cross that line because now they can say, you're done. Are you listening to me? And so you now have got to realize where you are. You are in Babylon. You now need to be a sheep among wolves. And the Bible says, therefore, be shrewd as a snake and as innocent as doves. When Jesus used the word snake to the Jewish people, it was like he was cursing them out because he was saying, you're, you're dirty, and you're shisty and you try to get away with stuff, and you have poisonous venom, but when he uses it to his disciples, he uses it as a blessing. He's like, you know how a snake sneaks up on you? When you're not ready, and then tss, it comes out. That's how you guys are going to be in the culture. You are going to wrap yourself into the system. You're going to find yourself being promoted and being blessed and being managers and being governors and being leaders and entrepreneurs. And you are going to be there because you were successful in that system. And you're going to be innocent of all the guilt they've been doing. And you'll be used by me to strike that culture when it's time. You'll be used at that right time to strike it. You're, you're the CEO now of Apple. Apple. It's no longer run by a homosexual. It's run by you because you've earned it and you've gotten to that place. And it may just be one speech that you give at the end of the year as they're talking about all their accolades. And you say, my greatest hero is Jesus. And then you step off the stage and let that sit for a while. What are they going to do? You're the CEO. Come on, somebody. It's been a good year. You see... If we fight the battle now, we don't have the momentum and the shrewdness on our side. The tide has changed. We'll know when it's changing the other direction and when we go out to march and take back our freedoms and liberties, nonviolently, of course. But right now on our jobs, in our roles, we need to be like sheep among wolves, shrewd as snakes, innocent as doves. How many are getting set free today? Amen. Adam, would you come quickly and closing? I always know when it's time to close, the kids get the wiggles. I always appreciate seeing the kids here. You guys are doing good. Parents, oh, praise God. Here's five ways to do it, just quickly. I hope you can pray over this and find some good stuff this week. I've said some of these before, but I'm just trying to summarize everything that I, I knew I would be taking a lot of rabbit trails today. Number one, don't take on every battle. Let God pick your battles. If, if you're going to be the lift driver who says, Sorry, I'm not calling you Barbara. I want to know your your male name because I can tell you're a dude. If you want to be that one, just tell me you did it because God told you to do it, not just because you now just wanted to fight every battle. If you say God told you to do it, okay, then accept the consequences. Where God guides, He'll provide. Because I want to make sure that we're being spirit led now because remember, we're sheep among wolves. You don't go walk up to that wolf unless you're ready for that confrontation. Otherwise, you just, just move out of the wolf's way, just go over here. I'm just a little sheep. And I know that sounds like, well, that's opposite passage of what you teach us to be bold and confrontational. There's a time for that. I'm just saying, in your board meeting, when they say, we're going to be celebrating pride this, this year in a great way. We're all going to be wearing rainbows and this, this, and that. And we're going to make sure all of our coworkers who are LGBT can do all of this. You can simply say, hey, you know what? I'm a Christian. Can I wear a rainbow but mean that I love the flood and how God judged the world? Well, you wear whatever you want for that day? We'll be okay with it, okay? Do you see what I'm saying? You got to be shrewd. Pick your battle. If I still got to wear a rainbow, I'm going to wear a rainbow in my heart believing what it is. Because remember, every time they called them boys, they didn't call them Daniel. Belshazzar. Hey, you of Bel, you come over here. Shadrach, you of a coup! you come on. Man, they were calling them out every day by those pagan names. But Daniel came. Yes, sir. What's up? Azariah came right here, ready for work. I know who I am. I'm Azariah. But you're calling me Abednego. But I know who I am. Number two, speak up in public when God leads you to do so. Now you can go preach the gospel. You can do life groups, and you can share exactly what you believe. And as I've warned you guys before, in the coming days, they're going to try to call you out for that. Oh, you go to this church. Well, I've heard you say this. Or you claim to be a former homosexual. I don't want that on our job. You know, those, those things you've done on your own time, they may try to bring back on you. But at least you know you've done it in wisdom. Number three, prosper wherever you go. Some of you are doing a bad job of representing Christ on your job because you come late. You fight with everybody. And then on top of that, now you want to invite them to the Bible study. Or you're in school and you're getting Fs and your teacher don't like you. You never take care of yourself. You come in there like you've been playing Fortnite all night. And then you want to tell your professor that they believe, you know, they came from an animal, so that's stupid, you know. They don't respect that. Get straight A's and then tell them that. Come in there like you're already in college with your stuff together and then tell them what you believe. Watch how differently they'll take what you're saying. They'll be like, well, this is my top student. I do appreciate how they give me feedback in the class. Well, that's their opinion. It's a lot different when they can paint us into a corner. They want to make us all look like Neanderthals. They all want to make us look like we're stupid. They want to make us look like we're unsuccessful, that we're hate mongers, which which if you disprove that, they can't use that as an argument. That's why a lot of our public presentations, even after we get a little confrontational with people on the video, we're now purposely, because we want to be shrewd, we're now purposely saying at the end, we love you, after they've cursed us out and all of that. We're like, we love you, because we want it on the tape that everybody heard us say it. Because we want to be shrewd with them, because otherwise they'll be like, they don't love us, they don't love us. No, we told you we loved you. Number four, love people where they are while staying where you are. See how beautiful that is? You can love your LGBT friend. You could be like, man, I love you. I love everything about you. You're welcome to come to my house. I love everything about you as a person. You know what I mean. But I, I care about you. I want the best for you. If you're sick, I pray you get better. I want your job to succeed. But at the same time, I don't agree with everything you do. Kind of like the way you feel about me. Do you love me? Do you care about me? Do you want me to succeed? But do you love the belief that I have that you're going to hell? You see, you're tolerating me. i got to tolerate you. Let's do that together and see what happens in a little while. Because I believe over time they're going to see that your love is real, your love comes from God, and it genuinely will change their life while their love is just a facade. And then lastly, here's where I think we just draw the line, just make it simple. We're never praying to anyone else, any other God other than God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Daniel was so successful. That when they tried to get him out of his job, the pagans, they looked for a way to get him out of that job. And they're like, man, he does everything in excellence. There's no way to get him out of the job. So they went to the HR person. They said, is there any other things we can do? And they said, no, according to his job, the man is almost perfect. So then they said, you know what? We got to get him according to his religion. Let's make a law that no one can pray to anybody except the emperor. They put that law into motion, and the Bible literally says, David, as it was his custom, went to pray as he always did. (laughs) He just got down and prayed. He said, I don't care what law you made, I'm praying. And he did it for them to see. It must have been by his window or in his courtyard.
1: That's how we
0: ended up in a lion's den, because then they swooped him up. And the Bible even says that the emperor, who had been tricked to make that law, felt so bad for Daniel, but he had to keep the law. And when Daniel came out in the morning after the miracle happened, that man, that leader was so impressed. He exalted the God of Daniel, and he threw those conspirators into the lion's den, and they died. I still believe in a God who rescues. I still believe in a God who works all things for his good. We just have to be faithful in the process to live lawful in a lawless time. Is there anybody here that says, God, I'll be lawful in lawless times? Would you stand up with me? Give it up for Jesus as you shout, Hallelujah! Hallelujah, Lord! Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Let's pray. Thank you for coming today. Father, we thank you that you give us these stories to inspire us. May we be like Daniel. May we be like Mishael. May we be like Azariah. Oh, God, may we be like these wonderful men and women and others. Come on, pray right now wherever you're at. Pray for strength to go through what you got to go through. You know what I'm talking about. Most of you do not work for Christian businesses. Most of you have already been in the meetings. You've already been updated on the new protocols. And your heart's been grieved. And you're like, how do I do this? I pray today that you've got wisdom on how to do it. Now pray for your strength not to fail. You've been forewarned today. Pray that we can guard ourselves. If you're here today and you've never met Jesus, welcome to the revolution. The revolution starts in our hearts. Let Jesus change you. Make you counter-cultural. May he answer the needs of your soul that you've tried to find in other places. If you're here today and you need to accept Christ, just throw up your hands and say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Those of you who have kind of been on the line And you're like, man, I want to go all in for Jesus now. I see where the culture is going. And my parents warned me about this. Or my youth pastor told me about this. And I now want to to go all in. Raise up your hands too and say, Jesus, I surrender. I'm all in for you now, God. I see where this is going. Writing's on the wall. And I'm choosing you. I'm on your side. Forgive me of compromise. If anybody's compromised, ask God to to convict you and and ask him to forgive you. So that you walk out if you're not compromising. You know the difference between being shrewd and wise and compromising. Those of you who have been going too far to that side, come on back. Come on back in Jesus' name. A few more moments. We'll close in worship. And those who want prayer from these disciples up here, you're welcome to come. A few moments right now. Jesus, center us. Help us to focus on you on our jobs, in our families, in our neighborhood. Jesus, we want to be used by you. We want to change the world for you, Jesus. A few moments, few moments right now I sense God's presence in here. What an eye-opening message.